Welcome to FNB Business Talk. My name is Lynette Sanduli and I look forward to spending time with you to help us all navigate into the new normal. Today, we are going to be speaking to Durban-based entrepreneur, Homozo Ndlungane, who is the brain behind eventing company Oak Celebrations. Today, what we're hoping to get from her are insights, experience, the impact, and of course, how she is rebuilding from, in many instances, what many can see as rubble in the hospitality and eventing business. Khumuto, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Lynette. Khumuto, Oak Celebrations. Tell us a little bit about how the business has grown and then, of course, what has happened in 2020 and how that, of course, has put some skids on some of the fantastic plans I know you had for this business. Uh, thanks, Lynette. So, yeah, as you rightfully <laughs> introduced the business, we are in the eventing space. We offer what most people would call luxury eventing services. I pretty much do what my clients require me to do. We predominantly work in various sectors within the eventing world. So one is we hire out our equipment and then we also have a very strong floral business. Yeah, and then as well as obviously setting up the whole event. So it works more or less like a one-stop shop. When obviously, you know, we were hit with the pandemic and lockdown issues, it was quite a blow uh, whereby you actually wondered, am I going to survive this? We saw how also like very big eventing businesses closed like within two weeks of lockdown, you know, that's when I started really thinking about what it means for my business. What I then did is that I, I looked at what was within my favor and what I could do besides, you know, gathering of people. And one of the things that came to my mind was, look, we've got such a strong presence when it comes to floral artistry. Why don't I just start gifting? You can imagine when we do flowers for an event, we're not just doing one flower for gifting. We are doing 60 flower bouquets, if not more, you know, for one event. So there's big revenue margins there. If you look at gifting, if you're going to start it, if it's not a Mother's Day event, if it's just a normal day, you'll be lucky if you sold 10 bouquets, which is not such a huge rent revenue income booster, but it definitely does keep you alive. It keeps the lights on. And most importantly for me, it kept my staff members occupied. So throughout the pandemic, one of the things that I also did, I never stopped paying salaries over and above the UIF that they could claim for the first month. This is my staff members now. I just made sure that they've got enough work to keep them coming to the office. You know, to my advantage, it came as Mother's Day was coming up. For Mother's Day, we had like about 50 flower orders. People were just looking for something that was going to make them happy and just to give them a sense of, gosh, there might be hope, you know, after 
all of this. And then from Gifting with Flowers, there came a product demand. I started working with a global brand called Joe Malone. And I said, you know what, if people really want these products, maybe let me come up with a much more affordable product, which is South African made, actually not as expensive as your Joe Malone, which a normal South African can actually appreciate and it can pick them up. What do you think you did differently that allowed you to keep the business going, especially at that initial sort of level five, level four lockdown period? And what do you intend to keep doing? It was pretty much like thinking out the box and also listening to what the customers want. It was about speaking with farmers and finding about the harvest. How much can you supply me? Keeping that continuous communication with the people that are supplying you with a product so that you know where to plug in. You know, I am from a corporate IT background. Being involved in IT, I always saw how much uh, products we could sell and to different industries, you know. So it was never about, oh, like, let's sell Microsoft, but only to the financial sector. It was about, okay, so we've got these systems that the financial sector can run with, but what are the hardware services that we can offer that comes with this and that and that? It was all about cross-selling really like the horizontals and verticals in the market. And uh, I think that type of knowledge and also just my creative like spirit, it just enables me to to just keep being innovative. When I started reinventing what I've created with the product, it just took me realizing this is what my customers want. What can I actually offer them to keep their money circulating within my business? Those were the questions that I asked myself and I had to answer them. They brought me where I am today with the product. So tell us a little bit about Lilapa. You decided to create a South African product range, a gifting, a line, bringing a product to life in the middle of a pandemic. So Lilapa is a Tswana name. Lilapa means home. It means family. Because we were spending so much time in our home environment, I was always saying, yeah, like, you know, this place is like so dirty. Like now I need to clean this. I need to clean that. Many times I used to think to myself, what are some of the things that I could use around the house that could give me that uplifting mood that can still say, like, celebrate the little things? And it was my diffusers. It was my candles. So Lilapa then obviously became a home body and bath lifestyle range. It's almost like I'm, I caught the wave when it was needed. Watching the growth of your business, particularly in a very highly contested niche space, being luxury, where does this new diversification for you and the growth of your business fit? Well, Lynette, it, it's here to stay and it fits. It's a plug in in everything. My brides, like think about the favors that they give to their guests. These are easy, simple gifting solutions, which can be done as standalones or they can be done for corporate. So as you know, these kind of products, you make money when you move them in volumes. 
So where it fits in into the Oak celebrations as a lifestyle brand, when I started, I spoke with people like Rolf Laboratories. They supply to Discam, they supply to Master Price, same products like I do. So they were my first people that I started speaking to. They're not the ones servicing me right now. In future, I see myself going back to them and saying, listen, I've grown in leaps and bounds and now I can actually afford to buy your ammo. Cues, because when you start looking at at, at at companies like that, they require anything from five thousand minimum order quantity. So for one item, you have to start at five thousand. How in the world am I going to move five thousand hand washers, five thousand hand lotions, five thousand diffusers, and so forth? I cannot do that. So I certainly see Lilapa as one of the brands that's definitely going to give the brands that are already in the market that are being sold. That's who we we benchmark against. That's where I see Lilapa basically. So we are going to diversify. We are going to sell, we are going to get into corporate, we are going to get into hospitality, into hotels. And that's pretty much the vision that I have for Lilapa. And if you look at like Africology, for example, who I also study, Africology started as a small brand selling these type of products and they went to having spas. So the vision is that you got to be able to have products and you got to be able to to have services. I've got a very organic and an acquisitive strategy in place. So if you do eventually go and you you acquire a spa, that spa must be able to use the products that we develop in-house and keep the revenue within. Did you at any point in time consider accessing some of the relief interventions that were made available to small and medium enterprises? And did you feel that those interventions, particularly to yourself, a business in the non-essential sector, do you feel as though they were responsive to the type of needs and the type of climate that a business like yours found itself in? Lynette, I actually applied to a few of those from, like I think, the government ones. I never even received a response from any of them. Um, the only people that came to my business rescue were my uh, business development partners who then gave me a grant and a bit of a relief. And um, like, I mean, I must be honest, that relief was also able to just get my mind out of, you know, out of the gutter and just be able to utilize everything that came my way to make the most of and stretch it. So, um, yeah, so I do find myself in, 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 in situations whereby I haven't even given myself a salary ever since COVID started. I, I don't think I've ever drawn a salary uh, from the business. I've really been looking after my suppliers and my, and my, and my staff members. And I'm, I'm in a fortunate position whereby at least I have a partner. I have a husband who, 
who's who's got a more of a stable, like not an entrepreneurial kind of job, you know. Hence, you hear me talking about investors at this point in time. I'm just like, mm. do I go? Do I invest just because now I'm at a point whereby I need the growth is so quick and I need capital. I need to like just move it before like someone comes and steal the idea. Because I mean, right now people are just out there to like steal anything that anybody comes up with. Like <laughs> everyone is so quick to replicate the same thing. Um, so it's all about how agile you are, how quick you can move and moving quick requires a lot of capital as well. Um, doing certain things very smart. Yeah. So, so yeah, like I, I have to look at investors now. Um, but for me, I've looked at my strategy and my goals. And I believe that, um, if I do get an investor in my business, it will be an investor who will actually make sure that I reach my goals um, from my strategy. In an ideal world, what would you want those who say they want to support businesses in the non-essential sector with? Um, you know, if anybody put out the ideal product, um, the ideal plan, the ideal response, what is the most urgent need, um, you know, outside of capital that you probably also are thinking about and looking at and saying that's what will get us back on our feet? Um, Lynette, to be honest with you, I don't even know what the banks um, right now, uh, any financial service, I, I really don't know what they are offering besides um, the relief, you know, the relief of, um, you know, you don't have to pay back until a certain time or whatever. Um, like, I, besides that, I actually do not know what else is out there, to be honest with you. I haven't thought that far. I haven't thought that far, really, um, as to what it is that I think we can be the only ones that help ourselves, really. <laughs> Tell us more about that when you say, you know, you're self-reliant and we can only help ourselves. Um, where does that particular thought come from? <laughs> because I've been here, I've been helping myself all along. Like, you know, like I said, maybe I should actually start looking at different ways that other people can come in and support. And maybe I'm not being very... um very smart or, or I'm not researching enough, you know, when it comes to what are the things that, that are out there that can help me, that can assist me. Um, yeah, maybe I've just got too much of a creative brain that, um, I probably just need someone who's more focused in just making money, you know, that can come in and help me with that. So Humuto, I'm sure you've seen um, many postponements and postponements upon postponements because there's also not been surety about when the world um, opens up. Do you see the world still being hesitant or do you see it as an opportunity still to say, how do we make even smaller celebrations the in vogue, as it were, way in which people gather as we move forward? You know, Lynette, this was seren what is it, serendipity? Yes, for me. Because as hard as it has been, like not having events, is it's also been the most amazing period where where you look at what it is that you like, what it is that you don't like. And I must say that 
I love the idea of 50 people only gathering. It gives me less anxiety. It gives me more, you know, as compared to 300. I mean, yes, our warehouse is sitting with like a thousand of like chairs or whatever, because, you know, when you're doing a big event, like people will be like 300 people. There we go, 300 chairs. And then there'll be another event, 200 people. And before you know it, the warehouse has got no chairs left. But I would rather do small scale events. There is less headache. There's less overhead costs because now you can even downscale, you know, as opposed to having these mega big warehouses where you are literally paying so much money every single month. You, you downsize completely, but then you can even do so many other events and so many other things in smaller bits and bobs, but there's much more revenue coming in. I would rather have someone who really, really appreciates what you've done for them and they keep coming coming back and back and back and again. And that's what I've found as like now that I've been doing these small numbers and doing these um, more like intimate things for people and writing like handwritten notes, like one customer can keep coming to me like 20 times. Every time there's a celebration, there's a birthday or whatever, they keep coming back, you know. Then also they're so much more appreciative. So they're spending small amounts of money, but they keep coming back again. So that's the whole thing. Me, I am looking at my company and I'm like, you know, maybe I should structure my company to only doing small events. The more you are doing these big events, the more you lose your processes. Like the more you don't have set processes where you can just step away and your staff members can like do everything from A to Z, right? Because there's so much requirements, you lose yourself and you always have to be at all of these events and you don't have time to concentrate on your strategy and and making more business you actually end up being in the operational things of the business whereas the smaller events actually allows me to to build a process for my staff members which is very clear and i can say this is the process this is how you execute it execute it whether i'm here or i'm not here this is the standard and the quality that i expect you guys to to do this event it's very difficult to do such processes for big events so for me that's been one of the biggest pros about smaller events and where am i going in the future what words of wisdom um what words of inspiration what words of advice do you leave with your peers as you guys now go forward and reinvent yourselves rebuild um as well as restore you know confidence in your own businesses but also confidence in a market that's woken up to itself differently basically i think the words of wisdom which has worked for me is that stay true to yourself stay true to yourself know who you are Know what your business is all about. Have a vision, have a strategy, and just have goals and a road plan that you follow. I, I find that if you if you can just do those four simple things or five simple things, you would be able to get to the other side with not much injury. Uh, maybe there might be a bit of injury to your family because you are working nonstop. 
<laughs> like in in my world right now. My my kids said to me the other day, they said, Yossi, uh, before you started this, Lilapa, you used to play with us. Now you're no longer playing with us because everything is all about Lilapa. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah so those are the words of wisdom basically stay true to yourself have a vision that is so solid that it has a clear path let your clear path be directed or navigated by your goals that you have set because in doing that you will actually know where you're going those are my the words of wisdom that that have helped me to to come out of this period alive and and thriving, actually. Business-wise, I feel like I'm at my most jovial point. I, I'm, I'm actually, I feel like, oh gosh, I've arrived during a pandemic. Thank you for joining us on FNB Business Talks. If you're enjoying our interviews, please subscribe to our channel. FNB is a division of First Rand Bank Limited, an authorized financial services and credit provider. C's and C's apply.